This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. And today on the show, we are talking with a super fascinating company. Um, What if I told you that the food supply chain is not perfect and it needs some serious, I don't know, revamping, some serious modification. Um, Well, my guest today is Matt Cohen, and he is from a company called Simply. And Simply is trying to revolutionize the food supply chain by working directly with farmers, um, by helping them um, do more sustainable farming practices in countries like Peru. And they're providing consumers with great products. Right now, they've got products like quinoa, olive oil, stuff like that. And um, what they're doing is awesome. So normally, your food is, you know, of course, grown by a farmer, and then it's picked up by a processor or a distribution company that is then working with a company like a General Mills or a Coca-Cola or something like that. Um, A ton of the multi-billion dollar companies that are making our food. And then it goes to the store, and then it goes to you. And there's a lot of men, there's a lot of manpower in there. There's a lot of people um, controlling the direction of the food, the prices, and all that stuff. It's it's wonky as you look at it. It's crazy. And simply is doing something that's amazing. They basically own the entire food supply chain. So, for example, when their farmers in Peru grow their quinoa, simply owns the trucks and employs the people that go and pick up that quinoa. They also own the distribution, the processing, and the selling, and the packaging, and all that good stuff. And it's a win-win because the consumer gets a great product that's going to be cheaper, that's going to be higher, higher quality, and the farmers are going to get a lot better share of it because they're they're not having to go through all the loopholes of uh, working with a bunch of different companies to get their food to consumers. And so it's it's so cool. And I think things like this are going to be huge, especially now um, during the whole pandemic. You know, we've seen a whole bunch of issues with the um, just the supply chain and the food supply chain and all that stuff. So Matt Cohen and I are going to have, we have an awesome conversation. We start off talking about his background, entrepreneurships, even the metaverse, which, you know, is like the new Facebook um, virtual reality thing, which is really interesting. Um, kind of the start of Simply with him and his co-founder, what a normal supply chain looks like as well as Simply, and also some fraudulent activity going on in food. Um, you might hear about this a little bit, but China, for example, there's a huge issue years ago where they had fake honey, where they would have like vials of honey, and I don't know, something like 10% of that honey would be real, and the other 90% of it would be canola oil or um, high fructose corn syrup or just something that's not actually honey but they're selling it as honey. And so Simply is trying to take the fraudulent market away and so the farmers and consumers can know that they're having safe products. And this goes on a lot. I mean, 
Um, Matt says that it's like 30 to $40 billion a year, the food fraud, which is wild. I mean, I saw something online that was talking about um, there were some spices at some stores in England, I think, and those spices were fraudulent. Like there were fake ingredients in there, and that can be huge for consumers, like a huge health hazard and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I really hope you enjoy this episode. This was so fun chatting with Matt. And if you want to go check out their products, go see their website. It's just eatsimply.com. And that's simply S-I-M-P-L-I. So it's eatsimply.com. And you can check out their quinoa and their olive oil, all that good stuff. They also have some products in restaurants like Daily Harvest, Sweet Green, and At Pizza. So I think that's super cool. So yeah, enjoy this episode. And thank you so much for listening. And speaking of the food supply chain, if you haven't already, go over to youtube.com slash farm traveler and subscribe to our YouTube channel because very soon, within the next week, we're going to have a new video talking about understanding the food supply chain. And you'll learn how it works and how basically all the food you have goes from the farm to the table. So head over to YouTube, link will be in the description, and don't forget to subscribe. And if you're listening the week of Thanksgiving in 2021, happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great turkey day. Um, I smoked a turkey for a Friendsgiving. I'm smoking another turkey for Thanksgiving. So getting all the experience in with with, uh, turkey smoking. So yeah. All right. Anyway, on with the conversation with Matt Cohen from Simply. Enjoy it. And thank you. Um, All right. Well, Matt Cohen from Simply, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Trevor. How about you? I'm doing well, man. So I'm excited to chat with you. You're with a cool company um, called Simply, which I think is kind of changing the, the game when it comes to like supply chain, helping farmers and all that stuff. So before we kind of dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your background and how you got started with Simply. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for having me on, on this podcast. Excited uh, to have this conversation with you today. And um, so, yeah, my background, I'm, I'm originally from Annapolis, Maryland. I grew up there uh, my entire life. I went to Salisbury University, which is um, a, a small school on the Eastern Shore, about 20 minutes from Ocean City, Maryland, which is one of the main beach towns on the East Coast. Mm. And I uh, studied finance there. And from there, I, I moved on to, uh, I went to, started out my career in Fannie Mae in Washington, D.C. Um, I started out in the uh, in accounting and uh, finance rotational program. Um, and then from there, I moved on to corporate development with a hospitality company called Choice Hotels, one of the largest franchisors in, in the world. And, um, and then I started Simply. And, and really, I, I wanted to, ever since I was a child, um, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had uh, small businesses growing up, whether it was the snowball stand or even had a, <laughs> a candy stand. At one point, I had a couple of friends, uh, I guess you could say payroll, it's more so paying them candy and, and uh, some money here and there. So um, I uh, had that entrepreneur spirit um, ever since I was little. And I knew um, having some corporate experience would create a strong foundation for uh, when I wanted to step back into that entrepreneurship role. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, the more people I've interviewed that have kind of started businesses like this, you can really tell that early on they kind of had that entrepreneurial bug whether they were doing snow coat stands or, or lemonade skins and all that stuff. Um, so that's really neat. I never had a lemonade stand. I wish I did, but my wife and I actually were driving around a few weeks ago and we saw a kid on the side of the road with a lemonade stand and we're like, you know what, we're late to something, but we got to stop by. We got to, we got to get the lemonade. We got to support this young guy. Absolutely. I mean, you're creating great memories for that, uh, for that, that, that young child. And, um, if you have just like a dollar and they're making uh, the uh, the sugar with mixed with water uh, kind of behind the scenes, it's still worth it uh, just to see the smile on, on the kid's face. And obviously you're, you're helping them um, kind of uh, ha- have that entrepreneur spirit and, and, and uh, supporting them along the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. We bought two lemonades. I think they're a dollar a piece, like you said, and we handed him a $5 bill. We're like, keep the change. And he was like, what are you serious? We're like, yeah, man. He would like his eyes were huge. It was so funny. Yeah, definitely um, made his day. I mean, and profit margins are insane. I'm I'm not sure what kids really purchase anymore because I mean the digital age is just completely different. But when I was a little kid, I mean five five bucks, I've been amazing to go to this local store and get some candy bars or uh, some some soda. But uh, that, that's awesome. 
Yeah. It's funny because I feel like, I mean, back in the day, kids were doing small things like that, starting lemonade stands or whatever. And then now you've got so many, not really adults, but I guess like young adults in their early or late teens, early 20s doing drop shipping as like an entrepreneurial thing. I mean, it seems like that's kind of the new trend. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I think it's very interesting in terms of the new type of entrepreneurs out there. And I think one that comes to mind with younger kids is them playing with toys mm. uh, and having YouTube videos and then having a, a large audience of uh, children just watching someone else play with toys or open up new toys. I think that's just extremely fascinating. I'm more uh, someone that's more hands-on. I'd rather be the kid playing with the toys than, than watching someone play with toys. But I, I think that's just... Um, it's incredible to see that uh, every five years or so, just the, the difference uh, with generations and, and kind of how they're getting started with entrepreneurship is uh, definitely changing um, quickly. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Um, I mean, kids reviewing toys and all that stuff, and they get millions of views on YouTube. But yeah. I mean, if I'm about to make a big purchase, like a car or something, I look up reviews on YouTube and see how it is. So kids are just like us. I mean, they want to see if it's going to be fun to play, if it's a waste of time or something like that. Um, I follow this channel on YouTube called Linus Tech Tips and they like review computers and stuff like that. Yep. And I think one of their most popular videos over the past 10 years is them reviewing a little toy fire truck and it gets like tens of millions of views each year. And they're like, we don't understand it. We don't cover this content, but it still somehow gets views because kids just like get on YouTube and look up fire trucks or just something like that. So that, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, not to get off too much of tangent, but I mean, <laughs> I guess for us, it was like uh, we had, um, I guess those public messaging channels, IRC, for example, or MRIC was one that I had growing up to get feedback on products or games, what have you. And obviously that's evolved now into channels that are really um, targeted certain uh, customer segments. And obviously with uh, with video feeds and everything, it's definitely more personalized. So it's kind of incredible that uh, how everything has changed over just the last 10 years or the last decade. Oh, yeah. And there's no telling how it'll change in the next 10 years as kind of consumer demands change. And um, we got the whole metaverse coming with Facebook exactly. and all that stuff. I was just, so. That's exactly what I was thinking of. That's going to be incredible in terms of uh, just the customer engagement and interaction through the metaverse. I mean, uh, we no longer have to travel by person uh, to stores anymore. We could just do it all in our own home. Yeah, that's true. My cousin had, he's got, I think he's got the Oculus Rift or something, the one from Facebook. And um, it's got like the little controllers and I used it for the first time this summer and I've never used it before, but it was so cool. And kind of going off what you said, I can imagine like five years or something, you want to buy something, you can get in VR, hold it, see how it moves and stuff like that. And then probably buy it right then and there and get it shipped to your house. I mean, yeah, I think uh, one of the one of the early products that makes sense is uh, clothing because mm. uh, at the end of the day, you don't really need to feel clothing if, if you know what the, the type of cloth it is. It's more so how does it look and fit on you. So if you actually have if the metaverse it, uh, has a very accurate um, uh, kind of view of you as a person and how things fit, then I think that that would be an early riser in terms of um, actual merchandise being sold uh, through a uh, digital media like that's uh, like the metaverse. Oh yeah. And so, all right. So last thing, I feel like we could just go on this tangent for <laughs> forever. This is great, but I think it's either Ikea or home Depot that have like an augmented reality thing on their app. And you can like, I don't know, get a table and then literally put it up in your kitchen and see how it would look. And so it's weird. I feel like this is changing consumerism. It's crazy. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, we could talk about this for for a very long period of time. That's actually part of the reason I went to corporate development. I knew I would be um, working with a lot of startups as uh, potential investments and or strategic investments or uh, minority investments. And uh, so I always enjoy talking to founders of um, companies of any type of backgrounds, whether it's uh, hospitality, digital technology, even food. Mm. Um, that was one of the benefits of 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 joining that role that I did for a number of years. And now uh, I'm on the other side of the table uh, doing it myself along with my co-founder, Sorella Harada. That's awesome. Yeah. So going into the main topic of, of this episode, so you, you're from Simply, you co-founded it. I think what you guys are doing are, are super great. So tell us that whole story of when you started it and what kind of problems you're trying to solve. Yeah, absolutely. So Simply is a modern ingredients company. We're really focused on uh, three pillars, and that is combating and eliminating fraudulent activity within within international food supply chains. 
um, and then also promoting, facilitating different agricultural practices that uh, improve the health of the soil to combat climate change at the end of the day, since agriculture is one of the main contributors to climate change and also drive a social impact since we work directly with farmers uh, within our fully vertical supply chain uh, model that we have in four different countries. Um, how Simply really came about is through Sorella's background. Uh, she has over a decade of experience in supply chain, uh, food sourcing, and logistics. And we really saw a white space of um, not having any particular brand really focus on those three things I just mentioned in terms of having fully vertical supply chains. So, you, so we have 100% traceable ingredients. Um, for all ingredients that we have within our portfolio, but also taking it to the next level and really focusing on the social impact and environmental impact. And that's where Simply came about. We really understood that uh, consumers want to know where their food comes from. And they're also seeing the impact of climate change in their backyards. Uh, you're seeing forest fires in, on the West Coast. You're seeing um, hurricanes and um, just flooding uh, down South. And um, you're just seeing a, a significant change uh, within the climate uh, worldwide. Uh, you're seeing it on the news, but it's also happening in your backyard. So I think that's, that's really um, hitting people on a personal level. So you're having a lot more conscious buyers nowadays. So that's where Simply comes in to be that trusted ingredients, uh, sustainable and ethical sourcing brand. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like even before COVID, people were getting more and more interested about, you know, like where their food comes from. Is it um, sustainable? Is it maybe organic or not? Or um, is it kind of fair trade and stuff like that? And so you brought up something which I, I haven't really dove in a whole lot to find more about, but what are some examples of kind of some fraudulent activity in the supply chain? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a number of ways that a item can be fraudulent uh, but really focus on anything from mislabeling of the product itself. Uh, it could come from one country, but real in reality is coming from another country. Blending of a product is something that's extremely high uh, with fraudulent activity, um, especially with the oil category, which 70 to 80% of um, oils can be fraudulent, uh, according to UC Davis. And, and that can be with extra virgin olive oil, it might have some olive oil in it. So it's not 100% extra virgin olive oil, even though it's labeled as that. Um, so th those are kind of the two main ways that there's fraudulent activity is uh, whether it's blended with different products or, or mislabeling on the product itself or the country of origin or, or what type of ingredient it is itself. Gotcha. I've heard of some stuff with um, honey from China, for example, like it's low grade and it might be like two or 5% actual honey and the rest of it is like, I don't know, high fructose corn syrup or just something like that. But they're selling it as 100% natural honey, um, which is, is crazy. And sometimes, I mean, you would think the food supply chain would be super honest, but then of course there are going to be those bad players in there that are trying to just, I don't know, get some money and get some decent, get, get their foot in the door, I guess you could say with certain markets to kind of get in there. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it, it, it one of the main drivers for fraudulent activity, I, I think, is uh, it's, it's profit-driven. At the end of the day, if you say mm. you have a, a certain product that might um, a certain product, and it's really not that product, you're really cutting on the quality of the product uh, itself, which then will just provide better margins uh, overall. So I think uh, there's definitely greed is part of that equation of why there is so much fraudulent activity. Um, I think it's a forty to fifty billion dollar. Um, market out there in terms of how much fraud there is within the market food mar uh, marketplace. So it's, it's quite significant. So you guys simply are trying to, I guess, consolidate all those steps where you can kind of help reduce the fraudulent activity. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So that, our business model is uh, we are a fully vertical um, supply chain for all of our ingredients. So um, to dive right into that, we work directly with farmers. We have direct farming relationships. Um, so we will even go to the farm uh, if we if we talk about quinoa, for example, which was one of our first ingredients, and we focus on four categories. We focus on grains, beans, oils, and then superfoods and spices as a fourth category. Um, but quinoa was our first ingredient and out of Peru. And so we we actually go farm to farm to pick up their harvest. We, we work with small farmers um, where the size of their farm is, is about um, one to two hectares. So roughly three acres. So, so not very large. And once they harvest it, we'll pick up the harvest from them and we own the entire supply chain. So we'll, we'll then process it, 
um, and then export, then import it to our warehouse in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, and then we work with national distributors, all the, all the main broadliners, but we also work with regional distributors as well to get it to the, uh, to the businesses we work with, but also to consumers directly. Okay. So, I mean, this seems like a win-win for both, I mean, the farmer, the consumer and you guys. And so how do you think we could kind of, I don't know, take the system that you guys have made and apply it to the, the larger supply chain so it can be better and healthier for everybody involved? Yeah, I think that's that's definitely one of our strengths because uh, what we do is we, we are cutting out all those, all those middlemen. So uh, if you think about traditional supply chain, you have the farmer and then a co-op and then a broker. And the broker could be multiple layers. You might have a, uh, more of a local broker, then sell to a regional broker to a country broker um, or an import-export broker. So there's multiple layers of brokers within the supply chain. And then you have an exporter selling to an importer who's then um, selling to a company or a company might just be an importer. So because you have so many parties involved, obviously every, every party wants to have their own margins and profits mm-hmm. and economics. So by cutting out all of that allows us to pay our farmers above market price while also still delivering a nutrient dense, high quality single origin ingredient that's uh, pricing competitive to our clients, to the businesses we work with and to our consumers at the end of the day. It also allows us to get, um, allow us to put more thought and um, uh, resources into our packaging. Uh, So like our our retail packaging is 100% plastic free for quinoa. Our oils are uh, 100% recyclable. So again, there's a lot of benefits of having fully vertical supply chains. I think um, uh, when you think about large corporations or you think about the broader supply chain, it is a massive industry. And so there are players out there that just are the importer. They're just a sales and marketing company at the end of the day. I think it just depends on the strategy you want to take because there's there's definitely trade-offs of having fully vertical supply chains. Um, I think we compare ourselves as if you think about a, a Costco mm-hmm. uh, has one or two uh, ingredients within each category, that's exactly what we are. We're not going to have um, versus a Walmart. Walmart has 10 or 15, 20 different brands within each category. That's not us. We are focusing on one or two um, uh, uh, specs of an ingredient per category. So we only have specific ingredients within our portfolio, um, but it allows us to, to scale and also have the impact on a local level from, with the farmers. Yeah. So what's that local support kind of like with the farmers? I mean, obviously they're going to get, I mean, more payments from you guys because they're, they're skipping all the middlemen and all that stuff. And so, I mean, are they eager to work with you guys? And then also like kind of, how are y'all helping them out? Like maybe learning some new practices and stuff like that. Yeah. uh, I think that's one of the great benefits uh, and something that I really appreciate of our business model because we actually can drive a meaningful impact to the farmers. So we facilitate, um, uh, multiple programs with farmers. So I don't think I mentioned this, but one of the things we do is we have uh, a couple programs in place that we work directly with farmers in terms of uh, certific- uh, certifications. So we mu- we work with conventional farmers and we take them to become organic certified, mm-hmm. uh, which provides better economics for their harvest. A lot of the farmers we work with, they are practicing organic uh, farming practices anyways. They just don't have the money or the capital to invest into this actual certification. So that's where we come and play and we'll facilitate and um, even pay for the certificate itself to get them to that next level. So we have transitional organic programs uh, in place. And then we also are working on regenerative organic certified programs, um, which are currently active right now. And and, uh, we're on track to be the first regenerative organic certified supplier for ingredients out of South America, which we're really excited um, to announce once once it uh, once it says completed. We've gone through the audit, everything. It's more just getting the actual certificate. So we have different programs in place for farmers to ultimately just provide better economics for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also work with the local municipalities. Uh, uh, so for example, we work with the agriculture, uh, the Ministry of Agriculture for Peru to identify farms that don't have the uh, accessibility to international markets. And that's really what we're creating. We're creating that accessibility to international markets, specifically United States right now, uh, for farmers. And that provides better economics for the farmer, provides a great quality ingredient for the consumers, uh, and we manage the whole the, the whole process. So we work with both government officials and the farmers directly um, to, to, to solve what we're doing. 
That's awesome. I mean, that sounds like such a win-win. And before I forget about it, so you said a lot of the farmers are already growing organically. Um, and then I noticed on y'all's website, which is awesome, um, you, you've also got the USDA organic label, which that's that's an awesome thing to have. So how exactly does something from another country that's organic, how does it also get that USDA organic seal? I mean, are there some more loopholes? You've got to verify it's growing organically. So how does that kind of work? Yeah. Uh, so for farmers where we where we source from, they're not using pests. If we talk about Peru again for as an example, um, because we have the longest history with them, a lot of these farmers are growing in higher altitudes, so you don't need pesticides mm. um, to grow the products. So it's grown all naturally. It's been done for hundreds of years. Um, so that in nature is organic. But um, what we use is we obviously do the lab testing to make sure it's USDA organic. Um, it meets the specifications of USDA organic certified. Um, and then it, we, also, we also validate all of our ingredients with third party bodies that um, issue the certifications. So we have third, par- third parties involved to validate um, our to validate the products and, and the, the quality of the products. Um, so I think that's probably the main way to, or the, to answer your question, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah, I've always wondered how something, because I mean, you can have organic on on a package and it may or may not mean something, but once you have like a certified like USDA organic logo, I mean, most people will know like, yeah, that's certified, that's organic, like I can trust that label there. Because I mean, there, there's so many, we interviewed somebody, um, Michelle Patton, she had a book and it was like um, understanding food labels. And when you go to a grocery store, there's something like, I don't know, 500,000 claims on all the food there. And, and some are accurate, some aren't. I mean, some can say all natural and it can be like a box of Cheerios or something with like 80 ingredients. And you're like, yeah. it's not all natural, even though it says it. Yeah, absolutely. That, and that can definitely be misleading because that is something that's just a, that's just a labeling or marketing technique. Um, whereas we actually do work with uh, third parties and have official audits for all of our supply chains and all the ingredients we work with. Um, I think something that's, that's newer is, is, uh, is regenerative, um, organic, right? You, you can say regenerative farming, but to actually be certified by ROA, um, which we're going through the process right now and, and waiting for the certificate uh, that allows us to actually have the labeling of saying regenerative organic certified quinoa or regenerative organic certified, uh, lupini beans, et cetera. So that that takes it to next step in terms of actual validation is through those audits, um, whether it's USDA organic or uh, regenerative organic cert- certifications. And and again, the third parties we work with are like EcoCert, Kiwa, et cetera. So there's there's multiple third party bodies you can work with throughout the world. Right, and I mean, I'm sure it's great to be certified by one of those, but the fact that you're all working with multiples is is great. So I mean, you have multiple people that are like. Yeah, their product's good and consumers can see that and be like, yeah, they're jumping through all the hoops. They're doing the right things. Yeah, we definitely believe in um, regulation and certifications for um, just food in general. I think that's what is going to really uh, hold brands accountable at the mm-hmm. end of the day and supply chains accountable is is through those reg- through regulations and certifications. Um, but there, there's what's unique about Simply is because we had the entire supply chain, we can say that our ingredients are 100% traceable because we know exactly the full process. We know exactly where it comes from. So um, we hold ourselves to to an even higher standard. Right. And that's good to hear. And then speaking of your products, so I've seen um, there are a bunch of different companies that use your stuff like um, Daily Harvest, Sweet Green. So what was it like kind of building those relationships with with big time brands that you can bring your awesome products to them? Yeah, Um I think in general, it's just, we have a great story to tell. Um, and, and really for me building simply and, and, um, being able of how far we've gotten it today and just excited for the amount of opportunities that are ahead of us. It's really the impact piece. Um, you hear, you hear sometimes that brands are really focused on the triple bottom line or triple Mm -hmm. P's, um, which is people, planet and profits. Uh, and, and I think we, we definitely believe in, in people, right? For us, it's it's actually taking a step further. Our main stakeholders are not only our consumers and customers, but it's also the farmers um, mm-hmm. because they're, they're the ones that are growing uh, the food. And, and I think there's a, there's a lot of behind the scenes that consumers just don't understand because it's just readily available. Nowadays, it's just the two, two click step and now you have food at your doorstep kind of thing. Um, so that... I mean, technology has created a lot of advantages 
for society uh, from a consume from a from a consumer's perspective, but I think it also hides just how much work it takes to get that product to the shelf or to the door or to your um, bowl if you're eating at a restaurant or food service to your plate, what have you. Um, so I think in terms of getting clients like that, the storytelling was a huge piece. It's mm. something that um, as we continue to scale as a company and working with great brands like Sweetgreen and Daily Harvest um, and, and just like flagship brands like those in, in their respective categories, um, we really are, are strengthening the relationship because we are actually making an impact in these local communities. And the, the, the by growing our relationship further along with companies like that, it's going to only drive more impact from an environmental and a social impact. And at the end of the day, we, we, we provide great quality ingredients because our ingredients all are all single origin and grown uh, in regions that uh, haven't changed for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Right. And so how hard is it? I mean, you're you're clearly wanting to get your your products in the hands of companies and consumers to kind of share your message. And so, I mean, how hard is it to... I don't know, find a daily harvest or a sweet green, somebody, another company that's as focused on climate change and regenerative farming, uh, when maybe you might have somebody, I don't know, like a Walmart that isn't interested in it. So how hard is that to kind of build off partners that share your same goals? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of different brands that are really focused on different strategies at the end of the day. You have brands out there that are going to just be focused on low price every day. Uh, you have brands out there that uh, quality and conscious buying is their main motto. Um, so you think about Whole Foods versus Walmart, it's just a different type of customer. And, that, and that's okay because you customers, um, every customer wants something different or they have their own, they, they, they want what they want at the end of the day. How we come into play is uh, supplementing the brands that are really focused on the type of customer segment that really focus on uh, conscious buying, whether it's the social impact, the environmental impact, or just empowering themselves to be chefs in their own homes with great quality ingredients. Um, we really hit on all those pillars because we have the impact um, with regenerative practices and combating climate change. We have the impact because we're paying our farmers above market price. Or we're going to be delivering on different social campaigns. We have the impact because we have high quality ingredients that will empower the chefs, whether it, it is at a uh, corporation or if it's someone at their home. So um, I think for us, it's really focusing on those three pillars. And we understand that some, some people just want a quick meal or they're not really focused on that. And that's okay. Um, there are, there's a lot of consumers out there and we know that, uh, we won't be able to target everyone, but we also have the ingredients that would, uh, curate to everyone too, if they're interested in. I like that viewpoint. I think it's all about kind of finding your audience. I mean, not everybody's going to be interested in, unfortunately, not everybody's going to be interested in climate change, regenerative farming and all that stuff. But I mean, you're going to have a bunch of consumers out there that are, and I mean, if you can find them and build those relationships, and I think that's definitely going to be a, a, a huge win-win. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're, and especially with COVID, with mm. people being at home and, and we live in a, in a digitalized society today. So information, it's becoming readily available um, quicker and quicker on a daily basis. But with everyone um, sort of being isolated at home and, and, and having extra time on their hands, I think a lot of people did research and they're seeing just the magnitude of um, changes that have happened over the last couple of decades of just how our world is changing, um, whether it's consumer habits, whether it's the actual planet, climate change, et cetera. Uh, I think with COVID, it's really accelerated um, behaviors, consumer behavior that is uh, here to stay. Uh, I think we probably fast forward ourselves 10 years from now. You think about work, uh, the work environment, uh, people working remotely 100% of the time. Sometimes you have some companies that are going fully remote um, or you have others that are are semi-flexible uh, remote workers. So that means that people are going to be cooking at home more or people want more convenient meals. Uh, so you have, you have ready to eat and meal kit companies like Daily Harvest that mm -hmm. are going to be, um, uh, they're going to really support those type of lifestyles or you have Whole Foods uh, for people to go to whole, your local Whole Foods and get great quality ingredients so they can cook at home. So I think uh, it's, it's interesting kind of how this whole pandemic has accelerated uh, certain consumer habits. Uh, and I have to say, we started our company uh, in, in, in beginning of 2020. So oh, it's dang. definitely been 
Yeah, so it's definitely been a roller coaster to start an ingredients company uh, in the midst of a of a global pandemic. But uh, there's definitely been several linings, and and um, we're fortunate of um, of just the the traction we've had to date. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I really wanted to see how how you guys fared during it because I know a lot of companies because of the supply chain they had a lot of bad issues during COVID. I mean, there were like meat shortages, milk shortages, all that stuff, and you guys have your own supply chain. So how did that impact y'all? Yeah, that's the strength of our, of Simply is uh, with fully vertical supply chains, it allows us to uh, mitigate a lot of the risk of, uh, of supply chains and, and any disruption. So we're, we're, we are, uh, we haven't had any, any, any major disruptions within any of our, excuse me, any of our supply chains um, because of the fully vertical supply chains, we own the entire supply chain. So it really, we rely on ourselves mm-hmm. in order to get the product out of the country of origin to our local warehouse. Um, I think also within the food industry, and I can't speak to this on other industries, but we are deemed an essential business and that's not only in the US, but that's also worldwide. So um, with our team in, in Peru and the, our team in Greece, um, it allowed us to operate as normal. Um, and sometimes we had to get permits in order to to travel from point A to point B from uh, the farms to the to the processor to to the process uh, to clean the product and and get packed and everything to get uh, exported out of the country. So uh, that's definitely one of the benefits of having fully vertical, fully vertical supply chains. It allowed us to not have any disruption through this pandemic with uh, with our supply chains. That's impressive. Yeah, because I've heard so many people. I mean, either they pivoted. Um, there were some small scale farmers, I think, in like North Carolina, for example, where they instead of selling direct to consumers, they got shut down during COVID. And then so they started doing produce boxes and delivering it to consumers because um, the whole supply chain kind of screwed them over. But since you guys are your own supply chain, I mean, you guys were kind of almost in like a perfect little scenario there, like a perfect yeah, storm. We were, but we also, we definitely had our challenges too, because mm-hmm. from a supply chain perspective, it was extremely strong, but we were also just getting started and we were really focused on food service and, and uh, fast casual restaurants which uh, they took they took a, a huge hit uh, in the very beginning of the pandemic. So come uh, if we take a step back and and go back to March 2020 uh, when everything shut down and people were not um, going outside the apartments or uh, or their homes, what have you. Um, restaurants and fast casuals got hit extremely hard with a lot of restaurants shutting down completely, or um, the the demand went down 90 percent sometimes, if not completely. So that took a major hit for our business because that was our, our, our main focus and strategy um, when we launched Simply. So that what we did is we pivoted quickly. Um, we accelerated our roadmap into getting into expanding our, our um, client targets in terms of not only focusing on food service, but also expanding into um, ready to eat and um, meal kit companies. So mm. we did that right away. But we also launched our own retail line. Um, because meal kit companies did extremely well, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, and they continue to do well. And also uh, retail. I mean, you went to your local, we're, we weren't a to- toilet paper company. And uh, <laughs> so we didn't have that much demand. But uh, if you think about it, you went to your local grocery store, I mean, everything, all the shelves were completely empty. Um, so we really uh, we really focus on our retail uh, portfolio and, and uh, ingredient offering um, right off the bat. So that definitely helped support our business, uh, especially in the short term until we saw, uh, restaurants coming back online and now we're, we're, we're full speed ahead because, um, you're seeing a lot of cities or states, um, started to re- return back to normal, um, relatively normal. So the foots are going through the, the tra- the traffic's coming back, right. For the, for the restaurants and for the food service. So that's doing well, but also meal kits continue to do well. Now we're working with a number of e-commerce brands and brands, including Patagonia Provisions and Hive Brands, um, and and they're great partners to have, uh, both from a from a product standpoint, but also with their missions. We're very much aligned um, with brands like that. And then also we have a retail offering that's that has strengthened over the past twelve months, and we are in Whole Foods uh, and throughout the Mid Atlantic region. So we've been fortunate to uh, not only expand into different channels that we're now an omni-channel brand but also strengthen our footprint in each of those channels. Oh, absolutely. And man, I can't tell you how many people, at least the past year, I would say, have started doing meal kit services. My wife and I started doing one. We know like, I don't know, six or seven couples that have been doing it also. And it's great. It's so convenient. And then um, I think the brand we use is Every Plate, I believe. And only on a, some of, a, a few of their products, it's like, oh, hey, this is where it's from. 
But I mean, it would be so cool to have a different meal kit where it's like, oh, hey, this beef is from this farm. This quinoa is from Simply or just something like that. Like, yeah. And I'm sure that there are some meal kits out there for people that are curious about getting ethically raised, um, sustainably grown stuff. And they can literally read on the card like this is the farmer. This is Farmer Joe. This is Farmer whoever that made it. I mean, that's just so cool that stuff like that is existing right now. Yeah, we, we, and we definitely agree with you on that. And, and that's one one of the offerings we, we provide of um, in terms of support with the brands we work with is is um, the storytelling. If they want to know exactly the full journey of the food, which we mm-hmm. offer at the end of the day, we're happy to tell that and share that with them uh, through them to their customers and, and really to increase uh, customer engagement. I think also with meal kit companies, or whether it's ready to eat or uh, the pre-prep meal kit companies, is it's it is affordable um, and it's, it is, uh, it's easy to make. So I think those are two things that are really top of mind of consumers at the end of the day, but also to have everything delivered to your home and it's affordable and it's high quality ingredients. So you're making a great meal that is either you just have to pop in the microwave or the stovetop or the oven um, or fairly quickly to make because everything's prepped for you. I think that's, that's, that's a, that's just great because you're having great meals that are, um, that provide the nutrients for you and, and, uh, it still tastes good too at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Some of the meals we've gotten are, I mean, they're meal kits that we never would have thought of. Like they're great recipes. They're super easy. And like, there's like six or seven instructions. Now the only gripe I'll have is that there might be six instructions, but one instruction is going to have like seven or eight steps in there. So you really got to follow <laughs> them. But if you do, they're delicious. I remember one meal we had, it was the most random meal but it was like a deconstructed pizza. Like you cook some sausage, peppers, tomatoes, and stuff like that. And then there's like a little can of biscuits. And so you cut the biscuits up in little cubes then you put it in the pan, then you put it in the oven and it's like a deconstructed pizza. And it was the best thing we've had. Like I've made, I've made it like six or seven times now for the past couple of months, just based on that recipe. And so it's great. And it comes in these cards. You can add them to your recipe book. It's so convenient. I love it. Yeah, that, that that sounds awesome. I think that's also the biggest difference with, I mean, with ready to eat meals when you're just, when you just have to pop in the microwave, I, I don't, I don't think, um, I think everyone still lives very busy lives, right? Mm-hmm. So that hasn't really changed. It's just, instead of maybe commuting two hours a day, you're getting outside more or you, you picked up a new hobby. Um, so I think people are still extremely busy, but um, having those kind of ready to eat meal kit companies is great because it takes up very little time um, to cook a great, delicious meal, and it doesn't um, distract you from what you're doing day to day. Oh, yeah. I mean, life gets so busy, you planning meals is difficult, but also actually finding the time to go and getting grocery and groceries now, especially yeah. now in COVID when, I mean, you don't want to go to a store, you don't want to risk getting sick or anything. And I mean, now it's just so convenient. And I think Allie and I did the math, and I think it was it was just the same amount as going and buying groceries. Like it works out to be perfect because also it might be a little bit more expensive, but of course, when you go to a grocery store, you're going to see stuff that you didn't have on your list. And you're like, Oh, actually I want that. Like I want that, that, that. And so, yeah. but when you just get these milk, these meal kits, that doesn't happen, which is great. Yeah. I have some friends who are, uh, who are pretty active and uh, whether it's uh, bodybuilding or just very active with sports and, um, I, I, there's a number of friends that will eat, uh, six, seven meals a day. So having these ready to eat meals, uh, <laughs> definitely helps out with them, uh, having to otherwise take a full Sunday to meal prep for the, for the week. So, uh, definitely another benefit for, for some lifestyles, uh, of people too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's milk kit services for, for, I mean, people that work out, maybe you just have a vegan yeah. diet or whatever. I mean, there's, a, there's something for everybody. Um, well, this has been super fun. So I'm looking at your website right now, which is just eatsimply.com, and it's beautiful. It's got a bunch of great information about kind of you guys' story and your products. Like I'm looking at right now, virgin olive oil, quinoa, stuff like that. And I mean, the packaging looks great. It all looks, I mean, super wonderful. So if people want to learn more about Simply, where, where could they go? Where should they go to kind of check you guys out more? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, definitely check out our website, eatsimply.com. Uh, I think that provides a good overview of our company. Also on our social media at simply, S-I-M-P-L-I, good, G-O-O-D, eat simply good. Um, I'm sorry, at simply good. Uh, That's our Instagram handle. Uh, So definitely give us a like and a follow. 
something we're, we're, we're active with in terms of social media, but reach out to us as well. Uh, we are always open to answer any questions anyone has. Um, you could contact uh, me directly. Uh, it's just matt at eatsimply.com or info at eatsimply.com as well. Happy to, to answer any questions anyone has, but um, but definitely our website. Uh, you, you can you can order directly from our website, learn a little bit more about us. Simply is with an I instead of Y, and really mm-hmm. we did that because of the four I's that we have, which is impactful, ingredients, international, and innovative. Um, so we really focus on those four I's as a company, and, and that's why we went with an I instead of a Y, but we also wanted to keep it simply or simple as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really how our, how our name came about too. I like that. So what's the future looking like? I mean, are you wanting to find like some more products, more countries to go into, broaden your supply chain? So what's the future looking like? Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to continue to strengthen the supply chains that we have in place today and continue to to um, just scale uh, the ingredients that we offer today. But we also have a number of products in the pipe, a number of ingredients in the pipeline um, that we're really excited to share um, very soon. There's, there's one that we're going to be launching very soon acai from brazil that's in collaboration with the nature conservancy which we're really excited to do because um, the nature conservancy is a great nonprofit. Um, we're very much aligned in terms of just creating a better world uh, with us creating a better world through food and and they also have much broader um, a much broader impact and organization but we're going to be working with we do work just with um, indigenous communities in brazil so it's kind of an alternative to what's happening in Brazil is there's a lot of deforestation going on. Mm-hmm. So we're actually providing an alternative for some of these communities is, Hey, uh, get involved with acai production. We'll create that market accessibility for you. Uh, it provides a source of income for you. And also it's a great quality product that we're going to provide to our customers in the U S. So we're really excited to launch that come very soon. There's a number of products that we're going to be launching in uh, that come from Peru but also really excited about the regenerative organic certification uh, of which will be the first ingredients brand out of all of South America to have that. So that um, that's going to be uh, available uh, very soon as well. That's awesome. And that's huge for Brazil. Cause I know that's a huge thing. I mean, they're cutting down parts of the, of the um, Amazon rainforest to have more and more cattle ranches. And I think Brazil, I want to say Brazil leads the world in, in beef exports. And I know, yeah. I mean, once you guys get your foot down there and kind of say, hey, here's some more regenerative practices. I mean, that'll be huge to help save regenerative farming down there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for us, it's really um, trying to just scale each product. And the number one way to really have a significant and long-term impact is to work with um, large corporations in the U.S. The more product that we're able to sell, the more impact we're allowed to have with, within each of the communities we work with. And we are driving meaningful impact, whether it's environmental, social, or both. Um, so we're really excited just to work with great brands here in the U.S., getting the product flowing uh, to actually make that impact happen. That's awesome. Yeah, I am adding, I'm on the products page. I'm going to add the quinoa um, to our, our grocery shopping list. Haven't had quinoa in a while, but it's actually delicious. I mean, and of course, I was one of those people where I was like, um, quinoa, I think is the first way I pronounce it. Like I just completely butchered it. And then somebody was like, no, it's quinoa. I get it right. I was like, all right, my bad, my bad. There's a great commercial. Uh, I think it's an insurance. Yeah. It's hilarious, but I'm sure. Uh, yeah, that definitely happens every now and then, but yeah, quinoa is, is great. It's a great alternative to rice. Um, it, it has uh, a more, it has a richer nutrient profile than rice, higher um, uh, protein. Uh, so, and it also goes great, whether it's hot, cold, whether you have it in your salad mm-hmm. or you have it as a side on your main dish. Um, so it goes great with so many things. You can also get, um, you can experiment in terms of just adding random ingredients with the quinoa uh, and having that as a dish. Uh, I love spicy things in general. So I definitely add like a ricotta uh, type of spice uh, to the quinoa, which tastes great, but um, it goes great with a lot of things and it's healthy. So uh, you can't go wrong with, with adding quinoa to, to uh, your favorite dish. Oh yeah, it's super nutrient great. And, and like I know exa- um, Chris Hemsworth, when he was getting ready for Thor, I read up on it and apparently to get in good shape, he started eating like nothing but quinoa and healthy foods. And I was like, all right, I need to start eating quinoa. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also we, uh, we're launching a holiday package. Um, 
in both holiday packages, we have one that's like a taste of Peru. So it's three different ingredients that come from Peru. It's uh, a pink salt, which we have a really high quality, um, excuse me, finishing salt. Mm-hmm. It's great if you put on your steaks or um, uh, your salads or, or your favorite dish. It, and uh, that actually comes from uh, the Andes as well. It comes from natural uh, springs. So it has a lower sodium content, but it's richer in minerals than your average salt. Uh, then we have um, quinoa and then also lupini beans. And all three of those products are coming in handmade artisanal bags that are made by um, uh, our communities in Peru. The second offering is more of our, our signature set, which is our retail line. So we'll have tr- uh, the tricolor quinoa with our extra virgin olive oil and our blend. The extra virgin olive oil is great to drizzle on um, uh, your favorite dish, whether it's like bread with a charcuterie board or what have you. And, um, or you could use the blend to, to use as your sauteing, your, your, um, your vegetables or, uh, to, to, to cook with. So those are two offerings we have coming up for the holidays. Um, and they're, they're going to be on the website if they're not already. Okay. Um, so you can check it out at eatsimply.com too. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome website. I, I'm kind of a website nerd. And so I love just seeing how different websites market themselves and share their story. And so y'all's is great. And yeah, you've got your four eyes there and also a great diagram about, um, your supply chain, which I'll try to have a picture on our Instagram page, but yeah, I mean, it shows the normal supply chain and then it shows yours. It's like farmer business. That's it. Like simply yeah, you guys are the supply chain, which is phenomenal. Yeah. We, we try to keep it as simple as possible, uh, to go with our model. I like it. Well, Matt, this has been super fun, man. I can't wait to see what all simply does and we'll have to touch base soon with you, but maybe next year or something to see what else you guys are bringing to the market. So, um, I enjoyed it, man. Learned a lot from you. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Trevor. It was great meeting you, and and, uh, thank you for having me on your podcast today. Hey, again, thank you for listening to this episode with Matt Cohen. Um, Hope you learned a thing or two. I know I sure did. If you're new here, don't forget, you know the famous words. Actually, you maybe don't if you're new here, but anyway. Um, If you're new here, consider subscribing. Um, That helps us a ton over here on our great podcast on people learning more about where their food comes from. So consider subscribing, or maybe you are our tried and trusty longtime listeners, which we are so thankful for you. Um, consider sharing with a friend or family member. You know, maybe you're over, you're going to someone's house for Thanksgiving. Tell them about the show. Send them a message. Send them a text. Send them to our website, thefarmtraveler.com. That helps us out a ton. And yeah. All right, cool. Thanks. Bye. See you next week. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.